John chapter 13. We're going to look at our memory verse this morning, Gospel of John chapter 13. John chapter 13 on uh, love one another. What it means for Christians to love one another. John chapter 13, just two verses. While you're turning in there, uh, in, in John chapter 13, it's the night just before Jesus is crucified. All right? This is not Thursday night. This is Tuesday night. Okay? He is crucified and dies on Wednesday night. You have to get three days and three nights before sunup on Sunday. You've got to figure the math. So Jesus has just finished eating the Passover supper and then handing out uh, the, the bread and the unleavened wine and, and having his last supper with his disciples. Judas has left the table. He's gone to secretly gather together a band of soldiers to capture Jesus under cover of darkness for a few shilling, a few bob, for some money. Now, in the course of the next three chapters, chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is going to prepare his disciples for the future. Everything that needs to be said and has to be said, he's going to say on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. But he starts with something he calls a new commandment. Look at chapter 13 and verse 34. <clears throat> a new commandment I give unto you. He's looking at his 11 disciples at that point. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Jesus commands his disciples to love each other. Not to get along, not to put up with, not to tolerate, but Peter, John, love each other. I mean, whatever, struggle, get it over with. Get back to a family every day. Now, uh, he didn't just say, and I'll bring this up again, just love one another, but love like I loved you. What a challenge. So, would you agree that Christians don't always get along? <laughs> now, some for good reason, but most for no good reason at all. The disciples of Christ were prone, just like we are, to envy one another. They hear of one person talking about sitting on Jesus' right hand. They go, well, I want to sit on Jesus' right hand. And they would envy one another. They would argue with each other. Sometimes they would walk away from each other. These disciples, personally trained by Jesus Christ, struggled with learning how to keep this command of Christ. How do you, how do you love one another? They struggled with it, but they did learn, thankfully. I read a pastor's challenge where a woman in church was surprised one Sunday when, when, uh, when another woman, who often snubbed her and often would just turn away, if they looked at each other, she would look away. And, and this woman came out of her way and came over and gave her a big hug before church, like Eric would do. Now, the woman was shocked, and she wondered what, what had initiated such a change of heart. Well, she got her answer at the end of, the, of that service, when the pastor instructed, all right, your assignment for next week, ladies and gentlemen, is the same as last week. I want you to go out there and show kindness to someone that you can't stand. <laughs> you know, if, if only hugging <laughs> was all we had to do, we could pretty well excel at loving one another. But hugging's not all there is to loving one another, is it, Eric? No, it's a good start, but... <laughs> You know, to love one another is the heart of a church. It's the heart of a church. Just coming to church takes no heart. Just reading your Bible takes no heart. Even handing out a gospel track, even, I, I don't care. Do you know how much of our life we can do mechanically? Can you think about how much of your life can you do mechanically without heart? Just about everything. And that's a shame. Now, for that reason, the New Testament is filled. It's particularly the, uh, the Apostle John focuses on exhorting us to love one another. I mean, begging us. Ask yourself, do you know how to love other believers? I mean, we were talking. I was up with uh, Sharon and Dan Perro yesterday, and watching his dog. 
And I sat there, and it dawned on me. I said, when God wanted to give man an idea of what it looks like to worship, look at a dog and his master. I mean, you'd call that dog the ugliest thing, and that dog would go, I love you. <laughs> and and, and, and you, could put, you could put your dog in the boot of your car and drive him somewhere and open up that boot, and that dog would go, I love you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when God wanted to show people how to just love in spite of things, how to, how to worship God, how to put up with things. Look at a dog, how he reacts to his master. It's amazing, very humbling. <laughs> do we know how to love one another? Do we know how to put up with one another? Do you think that you do it well? I know some of you say yes, but then you aren't here on Sunday night. And even on Sundays that you are here, you don't plan on being here next week or the next week after that, or the next week after that. It doesn't matter to you whether you're with the believers. You think you love other believers, but you don't want to be with them. If I said, if I actually commanded you and I said, all right, everybody in this room, I want you when we're through, I want you to go and hug five people. Some of you go, oh, I don't do that. Now, I'm not going to command you to do that, all right? <clears throat> Anybody hugs my wife, I'm going to... <clears throat> But honestly, if I said, you've got to go out and show love to everybody, you'd say, I just don't do that. Well, shame on you. You should do that. If you're saved, Jesus said, love one another. So it's not my culture. Get a new one. Get a new one. Bible-believing Christianity has lost a lot of ground in this world simply because we've lost our hearts. We've lost our ability to love. And this morning, I want you, like me, to want to get our hearts back. Let's pray. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Bless, even more importantly, as I stumble over words, bless the hearing of your word. May we take it to heart. May it sink down and prick our hearts and, and convict our hearts and change our hearts. Lord, we've, we, we waste a lot of time when we do anything without our heart. So would you please help us this morning? We can't even get saved without our heart being in motion. Without us, with all our heart, believing you and loving you and wanting to follow you. How can we do anything else unless our heart is right, unless our heart is engaged? Give us that new heart that you promised, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first of all, what does it mean to love one another? Love is a visible act of an invisible attitude of kindness towards real physical people. It's not just a feeling. I know love is a feeling, but love, when, whenever you see in the Bible it says love one another, it's not how you feel about one another that matters. It's what you do with one another and how you guide your feelings to make sure you treat each other right. You can read about love all day, every day. No, hold on now. You can read about, uh, in the romance novels, you can watch all the chick flicks ever filmed. And you'll still be, some of you women know what that is. Guys, oh, what's a chick flick? You know? It's the film that, that your wife's crying at, and you go and you go buy a pizza. <laughs> Guys, but you can watch all that, you can read all that, and still be none the wiser. You take your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Let me help you understand basics, what it means to love one another. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. What does that actually mean to love one another? Galatians 6. And we're not talking about loving your enemy. We're not talking about loving the world. We're not talking about loving sinners. We're not talking about loving uh, your neighbor. We're talking about loving the people in a church, the people who are following Christ, the people who name the name of Christ. How do you get along with them? Galatians 6.10 as we have therefore opportunity, every chance, let us do good to how many people? All men, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Paul here calls it just doing good. I, another way of describing it is just to be kind to somebody. But being kind specifically to a believer. To treat them like family. To take care of those that are following Jesus as if they were your literal Physical brother or sister. Think about it. Even though they may be different in culture to you, they may be different in color to you, they may even be different in language to you. 
even though they may be immature, or some of them may be more mature than you. Love them anyway. Even though they may have been hurtful towards you in the past, or hurtful now, love one another, Jesus said. You meet one another, you bump into one another. You, uh, I mean, I'm in Dublin. There's two and a half million people in Dublin, and I run into Tony and Dina. What do I do? Look away? <laughs> Don't let them see us, Nita. <laughs> Care about the battles that everybody's going through. Love one another. Ask yourself, Lord, do I care? Whether I've had a bad week or a good week. I know, we ask you, how'd you do? You don't want to know. <laughs> How's your week? Don't ask. Be a friend. Be a friend to as many believers as possible. You don't have to go out of your way and just go to everybody and say, how you doing? No, but as you have opportunity, be kind. Care about your pastor. Care about your pastor's wife. You ever think we go through battles? You say, Pastor, you, you're, you're like Teflon. <laughs> Take good care of your teachers in that Sunday school room. Now, I know Brother Dan and Kathy are teaching in there, but Dan and Kathy, Dan, now he's Teflon, but Kathy, come out, give her a hug. <laughs> she is not in her mode when she's over teaching kids, amen, helping out with kids. So when she comes out, just go and say, I love you. Oh, I just thank you for taking care of my kids. Pick her up. Care for people who are caring for your kids. Amen. To love is to actively do and think and feel tender and kind things toward another person, irrespective of their perceived worth. It's a lot of words. Somebody comes in and they got a lot of they got a lot of gold. They got driving a BMW, and they've got, you know, they got on a 2,000-year-old suit. You know, all of a sudden, your eyes are only on, man, do you see his earring? Do you see her tattoo? Do you see that outfit? Just, you're looking at the wrong thing. First of all, they shouldn't have all, but they come in the church. Their perceived worth, think about that. Who do you love? Loving somebody doesn't see whatever's on the outside, only sees somebody i got to love. Uh, Jesus said, don't just love those that love you. That's the easiest. Hey, it's easy, and that's, I prefer just to love people that love me. How, how many of you like that? I mean, somebody comes along and gives you a hug, you want to give them back a hug, amen? Who wants to hug a porcupine? Hmm? Try it. Don't want to do it. I'm just not going to do it. Jesus said, love them anyway. Love those that hurt you and even hate you, Jesus said. Talking about believers. Love those that can never love you back, even. Jesus said, go out of your way to love those who will never, ever love you back. That's hard. Now, the goal is to have two things just like Christ had. All right? One of the big reasons why God became a man was to show us how to do things. All right? Take your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Two things that every believer needs to have that Christ had. One, his mind, his way of thinking, and his heart, his way of loving Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. Consolation, is that a good word or a bad word? Consolation, consoling, comfort. If there's going to ever be any comfort in a Christian church amongst us, if there is any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, that's, that's empathy, that's deep-seated feelings toward one another, then fulfill ye my joy that ye be, what kind of mind? like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Just like pastor. You need to have the mind of your pastor, right? No. It's not what he says. Keep going. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. Don't only worry about your bills and your troubles, but every man also, make sure you look on the things of others and worry about them. Verse 5, summarize it, let this mind be in you, which was where? Which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he describes the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He wasn't taking anything from God by being God in the flesh, but he made himself of no reputation. He chose, he willfully chose 
to have no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of stinking men. You think about it, he had to take a bath. He had dirt under the fingernails. He had to blow his nose. He had to, hey, for God to become like a man is a step down. Would you agree? Made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the mind of Christ. How does Jesus think about people like that? Humbles himself, steps down, steps down, steps down, steps down. I look at it. Um, uh, go to Romans chapter 12. You can leave Philippians, go to the left, find Romans chapter 12. Verse 4. Romans 12 and verse 4. Speaking of Christians. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, don't have the same role, so we, Christians, being many, are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. We're related to one another. We work together. My fingers work together with the hand. My hand works together with the arm. The arm and the whole thing works together with my body. Same thing with Christians. Go down to verse 9. Let love, however, be without dissimulation, meaning without partiality. Don't make, don't treat one person dissimilar to the way you treat another person. Abhor that which is evil. It's not that you're just putting up with, with sin, but never let love be different between people. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with what kind of love? Right, with family love, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Now, if you prefer, if you prefer the sports uh, crowd, if you prefer the pub crowd, if you prefer the work crowd, if you prefer uh, anybody else than the church crowd, I got to worry about you, because Jesus said and God says, prefer one another. That doesn't mean that you don't spend time with your family. Doesn't mean that you don't watch sports. Doesn't mean that you don't go to work. You don't enjoy working with your workmates. Doesn't mean you don't like your school teacher or your classmates. Doesn't mean any of that. It means if you prefer them over us, you have a problem. Amen. That's what Jesus said. Verse, verse ten. It says, "In honor, preferring one another." That's his way of thinking. That ought to be my way of thinking. Where I'm concerned with taking care of other people's needs. Not thinking of myself, not thinking about my reputation, but thinking about other people, just serving people, especially believers. Then comes his way of loving. Wow, First Peter chapter 3 now, to the right, First Peter chapter 3. You know, I can't get my heart right till I got my mind right. Are you with me? I'm always, I'm always shocked by people who say, well, if I could just feel better, if I could, you know, your problem is you're trying to get your heart to feel better before your mind has determined what it ought to do. Your mind was put in charge of your heart. Okay? If your heart's in charge of your mind, you're doomed. Okay? Your mind was given a Bible so it would know what is right and what is not right, what you can feel and what you better not feel, what you can look at and what you cannot look at. Because once you feed that heart... And it gets activated. And if you don't have controls, if you don't have limits, if you don't know what is acceptable and not acceptable, you are doomed. So God gave us a mind, the mind of Christ, to focus on and to to get my mind like so that my heart can then be forged and fashioned to be like Christ. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. Finally, Peter's writing to Christians. I'm not telling the world. I'm not talking to politicians. I'm not talking to society. He says, finally, be ye Christians all of one mind. Whose mind? Talk to me. The mind of Christ. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Now, that old word just means be compassionate. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil. I don't even want to ask you how many of you have been hurt by somebody else in this church. How many have been hurt by what I've said sometimes? How many have been hurt by what I haven't said sometimes? What does it say? Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Somebody yells at you. What do you do? Yell back. <laughs> but contrary wise, the opposite, you should bless. 
knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Uh, I like that. He says, uh, not rendering evil for evil. Do no ill toward another believer. Sounds like the Hippocratic Oath. I mean, how'd you like to go to a doctor who says, <laughs> an experiment? <laughs> You'd run for the hills, wouldn't you? The reason why you try and trust a doctor is because you hope they swore to an oath, do no harm. Amen? Don't hurt me more than I already am. Well, you know, when people come into church, they need to know that there's going to be a place where people are preferring one another, where they are thinking no ill of each other, even though they may have plenty to think about. Amen. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. <laughs> Nurse, lock the door. <laughs> Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything, but to what? Wow. Eric, what do I owe you? Hmm. Owe no man anything, but to love one another. That's what I owe you. That's what I owe Marcus. That's what I owe Graham. Amen. That's what I owe. 13.8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the whole law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because verse 10 says, love worketh no ill, no hurt to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What a crazy, crazy challenge. You know, the challenge is for a Christian in this room to decide, I'm going to let somebody hurt me and love them anyway. Got a lot to learn. You know, if, you, if you've got Christ's way of thinking about things, not the devil's way, does the devil give you something to think about, especially when somebody's hurting you? Yes, he does. The devil will give you something to think about. Think about it. Somebody hurts you, you'll go, they meant that. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they just did it accidentally. Even if they did mean it, it's not your, jo- not your job to judge them and condemn them and send them off to hell <laughs> in your heart, you know? You're going to, somebody hurts you, don't let the devil tell you what to think. Think the mind of Christ. Did the disciples of Jesus Christ, did they hurt Jesus? Peter there, within earshot of Jesus Christ, he said, I do not know the man. And then he cursed Jesus' name. And Jesus looked at him, and Peter looked back, and the two of them, their eyes locked, and Peter's life fell apart because he knew he hurt Jesus. All right, what did Jesus do? I don't know you either, Peter. (laughs) You get his way of thinking, you try and desire to have his way of loving, you're on your way. Boy, you're on your way. A good example of Christians love one another. Christians go to Acts chapter four, or Acts chapter two. I could have picked any of six different illustrations here. Examples. I'll just pick one of them this morning. Good example of Christian brethren loving other Christian brethren. Acts chapter two and verse forty. Peter is preaching to somewhere over ten thousand devout, zealous, religious, hard-headed Jews in Jerusalem. Matter of fact, Jerusalem is packed to the gills with these zealous Jews. Peter stands up and he tells them to turn from their murderous religion that had murdered Jesus Christ and turn to faith in the risen Jesus, the risen Savior. They says, Man, you crucified is alive again, and you better trust in him. And it says, three thousand, look down there in verse forty, Acts chapter two, verse forty. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward, ungodly generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about how many? 3,000 souls. Now think about it. 3,000 people gladly received, believed, and then were baptized. And then those same 3,000 people joined that church. 
Now, there were only 120 people in the church. Can you imagine we got about 120 people in our church if 3,000 people wanted to join the church next Sunday? Now, Dean would be happy. He'd say, it's only 3,000. We were going for 30,000. <laughs> but say 3,000 wanted to show up and say, I want to be a member of this church. How do you get along with 3,000 new converts who used to be killers and, 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 and hard-head Jews and selfish people? People thinking only of their own self-righteousness. How do you get along with them? Well, look at what it says. Let's keep going. Verse, um, we'll keep reading. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. They weren't going their own way. They weren't. Like dinner is at your house where somebody's eating in their room, somebody else is eating in front of the television, mom's sitting over there in the kitchen in front of her, you know, computer or whatever. No, that may be like what your house is like, but Christians, it says, they were together and they had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and they parted them to all men as every man had need. They, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, Breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Look at that list. First of all, they accepted each other. 3,000 joined the church. I mean, you say, well, I don't know if I like so-and-so. I, I, you got to understand, a church takes things, uh, and, and it, we, don't, we don't vet people. You want to join the church? We want to hear your testimony. Were you once lost? Are you now found? Is Jesus Christ your Savior, or is he just a religious icon you wear around your neck? You see, if he's your Savior, I want to be known as your brother. Amen. So they took them. They accepted 3,000 into church. That's a big deal. They love learning new doctrine. Here was a group of people who thought they knew the Bible. Now they're sitting down, and the apostles are teaching them the New Testament. Blew them away. You know, one of the ways, you know, a church... Uh, is a great example to the world is when people come and they see everybody having a Bible in their hand. Amen. Not a song book. Songs are important. Uh, uh, you know, all the different things that you can have at a church, the most important thing we can have is an open Bible where we're learning doctrine. We're learning what's right. They loved new doctrine. Um, they loved fellowship. They loved just hanging together. Uh, they, 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 they talked, they listened to each other, they spent time together. I love Sunday night. Sunday night, we're over in the other room, and uh, we say the final amen, and it's an hour before the last of us are getting out of the, out of the room. Amen. That's fellowshipping. Um, they loved eating together. Now, we all like that, amen? I mean, uh, think, about, think about just the blessing of, of somebody saying, hey, come over to the house. Hey, let's go out to eat. It's just, you know, when we have when we have food at church, boy, just doesn't it just, I don't know, raise it up a notch? Now, it's sin because some people only come for the food. <laughs> but it's really a blessing when it's just part of a Christian ethos where they loved eating together. They took things very serious. It says great fear came upon them. They weren't frivolous about their relationship and responsibility toward each other. They feared offending one another. They feared hurting one another. Now, they're going to do it. But they took it very serious being at church. They just, they just loved being together. They stopped worrying about their possessions, their things, their money, success. And when they heard that somebody had a need, as a matter of fact, this was the most, one of the most needy times, or the most needy time in the, in the New Testament. Later on in church history, when the persecution broke out in such intensity during the first 300 years, and then later on during the Dark Ages, the persecution against Christianity and against anybody that named the Christ has been so in intense that if you were, think about it, if you were a zealous, very religious, very devout Jew, and you became a Christian, what do you think your parents thought of you? Because you're not a son of mine. You're written out of the inheritance. You're kicked out of your house. You're fired from your job. Your girlfriend leaves you. Your wife leaves you. They were destitute. They didn't have social welfare. They didn't have St. Vincent de Paul. They didn't have anybody to go to. Guess who took care of them? Other Christians. And the other Christians didn't just reach in and say, well, I got a fiver here. No, they went and they sold land. They sold houses. They sold cars. They didn't have cars. They, they sold chariots. I don't know. 
but they, they actually, they didn't care anymore. You know, who was I talking to? I was talking to, again, uh, but it's the same thing I talked to uh, Eric about. He said, I, I kind of want to be, I want to be the stupid kind of saved that I was when I first got saved. What does that mean? Where I just, I just did some stupid things because I just wanted to be a blessing. I just wanted to be around Christians. I wanted, I told you, when, when I got saved, I went to the pastor one night and I said, can I live with you? <laughs> now his wife's name was Dee Dee and she went, no. <laughs> I just, I wanted to, I just wanted to be in church. I wanted to, this, this guy said, Pastor Jack, you, you, what's it like living with God? Because you just, you just must live with him. You're just so wise. I, I was a brand new Christian. I said stupid things. I did stupid things. I mean, I could not, I had no, I couldn't put two sentences together as a Christian, but I loved being at church and I loved my pastor. I loved the Bible. I loved the hymns. I loved the singing. I sat in church, hair down to here. <laughs> and I sat there and the church had 250 people, 250 people in the church and um, 150 of them in the choir. You know what I said? When I got saved and I was sitting there, I said, I want to join the choir. I, I couldn't sing. Good night, my shower shut off if I sang. I just, I just, but I went up to my pastor and I said, can I join the choir? He says, you get a haircut, you can join the choir. I said, I better get a haircut. <laughs> and I, it was just, I, somebody say, man, what are you doing? I couldn't care less. I just wanted to do more and more and more and more. It was unrestrained, unfeigned was the Bible word, type of love of the brethren. Uh, the, the woman that, that invited me out to church, Maureen Smith, uh, uh, she, after church, I think it was like, uh, after I got saved, uh, the second or third Sunday, I'm sitting there at church watching everybody else group off and go eat out and go to people's house. I'm sitting there, and, and I don't know, just your heart sinks, you know, and you go, nobody even notices me. I would go with anybody. And I feel this tap on my shoulder, and it's Morning Smith. She says, what are you doing for lunch today? And I jumped up, and I said, I'm going with you. <laughs> and that began a relationship that went on for a year where I went over to her and her husband. Jack and Morning Smith discipled me without a disciple program. They just decided, they had me over for the, the, the most awful peanut butter sandwiches. And they were they were having me, meaning that they didn't have a lot. They didn't they didn't fix big meals. They says, "Here's some peanut butter. You had to fix it yourself," you know. But I'm sitting there hanging on every word. What was that? That was loving the brethren, and it came natural. I didn't think about it. I just loved it. And 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 you know, people took care of me. People invested in me. People are investing in you. Do you ever stop and just realize when am I going to grow up and start investing in others, even if it costs me? watched a little picture of an older man and he's planting a tree and he's got his granddaughter there. He's planting this special tree in the back garden and he's stepping back and the, the, the granddaughter is sitting there watering this little sapling and it's wisdom to plant a tree knowing you'll never get to enjoy its shade. And I thought about that. Wouldn't that be great if Christians had this idea? It's wisdom to invest in others even though you get nothing back out of it. It's investment. And people have invested in me. They were there for me. They took me over to their house. They loved me. They took this, this strange 17-year-old teenager and they helped him. That's loving the brethren. That's loving the brethren. And it cost some people. These people, they sold everything. Somebody was, somebody was out without food or somebody was out uh, uh, accommodation or whatever. They, they gave it to the apostles. It says, whoever has any need, you take care of them. You make sure we trust you. And it was, that's the way Christian Christianity exploded in the first day. And they loved, you see, they're praising God. They just love worshiping together. I don't know what you think, but I love coming to church and I love just letting her rip. Amen? We don't need drums. We don't need bass guitars. You know what we need? Hearts. They just love to sing and praise God together. Amen. You know what? I've, ha I've, often, I've often wondered, what's it going to take for us to get real? Probably some persecution. Um, I heard of a, in the Eastern Bloc countries before the Berlin Wall came down, a friend of mine, his name um, was with Couriers for Christ, and I can't think of his name at the moment, but 
he tells of the time when uh, he came to a church and there was only like 25 people there. And the year before when he came and he smuggled Bibles in there, there were 200. He said, what happened? He said, we had revival. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He said, two months ago, the KGB equivalent of the day there in East Germany came, surrounded the house, bolted down the door, uh, came in and said, anybody is a Christian in this house, uh, uh, um, either do one of choices, either go home or go to jail. And two-thirds of our people left. And then when, when everybody left, the guys, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the KGV took off their masks, and it was a pastor who had put up the act, says, now we can have church. And this guy, I can't remember his name, he said he wanted a church that wanted to be there. He didn't want the numbers of 200 people in a church. He wanted 70, 60 people that, that would, would live and die for Christ. He says, I've never been there. I, 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 would, I, would not, I would not know what to do with that type of a challenge. Do we want to have church or do we want to just sort of carry along and have no joy? I want to be with people who want to love God. Amen? They love praising God together. Then their love showed. It says there in the last verse, it says, verse 47, praising God, having favor with how many of the people? That's all the people that are watching them. Everybody was impressed from the outside. Why? Because of their doctrine? No. Because of their numbers? No. Because of their love. The people on the outside, the one thing that the world cannot fault is if Christians love one another. Amen? That church grew daily. So how do we love one another? You say, Pastor Craig, tell me how to do it. You think I know? <laughs> I got things to learn, man. First of all, let me help you with what I know. Go back to John 13. Start. I, uh, Bill, you started something here. You said duty. So we're going to talk about duty for a second. How do we love one another? Number one, we do it out of obedience. You love one another because Jesus said it. End of story. Look again at John chapter 13, verse 38. I'm sorry, 34. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. But the key there is we're given a commandment, whether we agree with it or not, whether we understand it, whether we find it easy. Folks, if you want to follow Jesus Christ, you have to love those who follow Jesus Christ. Amen. John 15. You're in John 13. Go to John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. 13. Greater loveth no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You consider people next to you your friends? You know, we think church is like a bus for most people. You're just by accident sitting next to somebody. You don't even know their name. That's church to most people. That's not how it's supposed to be. You need to know everybody's name in this room. You need to know what they're going through. I don't mean by finding out their Facebook account. I mean, you need to be praying for, and the Lord will show you. And, you know, you just need to make friends. And it'll cost you. Greater love, this is what greater love is. You lay down your life for your friends. These are friends. You do it because Jesus says it. Look in verse 14. goes on. He says, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Verse 17. These things I command you. Here's his command. That you love one another. It's Christ's command. Now, I know it's new. It's not in the original Ten Commandments. But you know, it's what Christ expects of me. 1 John 3 says this, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Wow. Should we get saved? Yes or no? Should we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. That's a command. And love one another. They seem to be pretty important. I want to say something now. You ready? If it's a command that I love the brethren, it's a sin if I don't. Everybody with me? So, if you just sneak into church, can I talk to anybody here now this morning? If you just sneak into church at the last minute, 
and then you rush out without ever caring about another soul, you have sinned. Amen. If you don't pray for, if you don't actively love the brethren as you have opportunity, you're sinning against Christ. Amen. So you mean I have to stay around here and talk to somebody? Yes. Or two or three or four. Amen. Can you imagine how monotonous that kind of a life is to just rush off? The only thing that thrills you is, is your TV. Amen. That's wicked. To not love the brethren is a sin. Secondly, we love like Jesus loved us. He says it over and over. You read it there. He says, as I have loved you. Now, love is not DIY. I've tried to learn that because every guy thinks he loves his wife. Amen, gentlemen? Oh, I love my wife. Ask her. Because every guy figures it out. Oh, I'm doing everything. Oh, man, I, I'm, I've got that department under control. I'm telling you. No. <laughs> Let me do the preaching. All right. <laughs> you know, guys, we get married and we think, oh, man, I tell you what. I am Don Juan. Come with me. We, we really think that we are the best, the bee's knees. We know, we, we've watched every, we know the moves, we know the words. And we don't know love. You know, when, when Christ asks me to love other believers, he says, as much as I have loved you, and the way that I have loved you. Now that changes everything, doesn't it? Um. John 15, look at verse 9. John 15, 9. As the Father hath loved me. Did God the Father love God the Son, yes or no? So have I loved you. Uh, How much did God the Father love God the Son? Infinitely. Would you agree? So how can I get my head around this? incredible love that God had for his son, now his son giving to me. And then him having the the ability, I couldn't say it, but for him to say, now Craig, in the same way I have loved you, love him. I have a lot to work on. Amen? First John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God's, I love this, you know, the biggest word in the Bible is two letters long, is so. <laughs> God so loved the world. But First John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. Hmm. So how do we love one another? That's, that's, the, that's, that's the big mountain to climb. Third, as a way of life. As a way of life. Loving means more than just the words that we say. Go to Ephesians 5. Go to the right. Find Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And walk in love. Well, look at verse 1. Ephesians 5, 1b. Therefore, followers of God. I'm trying to follow God as dear children of God, and walk in love. I like how he says that. And walk in love, live in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. It's a way of life. It's something we have to do all day, every day. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially they of the household of faith. It's a way of life. It's not something you do just on Sundays. It's not something you do when you feel like it. What is the first thing? It's a command. I do it because I'm supposed to do it. I do it like Jesus constantly loves me. And so I make it part of my life. Number four, I do it because of the new birth. Look at Galatians chapter 5. You're in Ephesians. Go back a few pages to Galatians chapter 5. In verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? All right. The fruit of Christianity is division, disappointment, um, uh, troubles. The fruit of just being among other Christians 
is just like any family, you're going to have troubles. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. All right. The reason why, or the way that I love, is found in my relationship with God. The fruit of the Spirit in my life. And it began at the new birth. I guess I just got to say it. Uh, go to First John. You're in Galatians here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, all nine of the fruits. First John now, at the very end of your Bible, just for Revelation. First John chapter 4. In verse 7. Because you may try, but you can't fake Christian love. It's got to be given to you by the Spirit of God. If you're having trouble loving another believer, if you're having trouble even loving your wife or loving your husband, if you have trouble loving your parents, it's because you're not close to God or maybe you don't have the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you will love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. Remember our verse from the beginning of the year? For love is of who? Amen. All the love songs ever sung are no good unless they came from a heart that loved God. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth, and not just loves anybody, but loves one another, is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, loves brethren not, knoweth not God, for God is love. You know, loving the brethren is actually one of the greatest proofs that you're born again. If I said, if I said to somebody here, if I said, Bill, prove to me you're saved. <laughs> Go, let's see. Well, there's this and there's this. The greatest proof that he's saved is that he, according to the Bible, is he just loves the brethren. He loves being at church. He actually goes out of his way to be a blessing to other people with no desire for anything back. He just, and he does it in a spiritual way. He does it in a selfless way. He does it like Christ. I go, you don't have to prove it. I can see it. Amen? That's the fruit. It is the result of the new birth in your life. Uh, look at uh, chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3 and verse 14. Still in 1 John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death into life because why? Are you with me? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Right now, Michael, I'm not talking about Greg, even though you're supposed to love Greg. <laughs> but it's about you love me. Amen? And even, even Youngin. I know Youngin's hard to love. It's hard to understand. You didn't have to, never mind. Keep going. 313, 314 now. Oh, wait, where, where do I start you? Uh, 13, 314, now 315. Whosoever hateth his Christian brother is a what? He's a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding. Well, I never murdered anybody. Do you hate him? Well, of course. Then if you had the chance, you'd kill him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. How do we understand it? How do we cop onto it? Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath the word this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, action, and in truth. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. First John chapter 4, verse 12. No man has seen God any time. Anytime you see some of these nuts on TV, these religious televangelists and hustlers and everything, and they say, I talked to God last night. He's 600 feet tall. He took me to the third heaven, and he showed me around the streets of the New Jerusalem. Turn it off. No man has seen God any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Go down to verse 20. If any man say, I love God, and yet still what? Hateth his brother. He is a, somebody say it louder, a liar. I love God, but I cannot get along with Graham. Hmm. Then you're a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat. Do you love? Do you love Jesus that gave you new life? Amen. If you love Him that begat your new life, 
you'll also love him that is begotten of him. You'll love the other believers. Amen, amen, amen. So it's it's the result of a new birth, but it's not automatic. Number four, it takes constant work and effort to do right. It doesn't happen naturally. We've got to constantly add it to our life. Constantly, you're constantly dealing with new situations. Our love must grow the longer we're saved. Go to 1 Thessalonians. Back to the left. 1 Thessalonians. I'll put Eric's teeth back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 12. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. All in there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. Now, it was very interesting. There was Eric saying, how many uh, in this church, tw- 20 years, 21 years, 22 years, all that wonderful. You know, the, the love of people who've been in here that long ought to be through the roof. Amen. Now, that's why they're still here, because they do love. Amen. So the Lord, make that your, that your, make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Look at chapter 4, verse 9. Still in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. But it's touched on brotherly love. Paul says, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed... Ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, we beg you, brethren, that you increase more and more. You mean, Pastor, I not only have to love the people in this room, I have to love somebody who names the name of Christ and they're following the Lord. They may fall, they may mess up, but they're born again. I have to love them. I have to actually love them more tomorrow than I did today. Yeah. Wouldn't that make a great church? Wouldn't that make a great family? Just keep falling in love with each other. Spend time just listening to your Bible and ask God to speak to you about how he loves you. Doesn't it make your day? Well, if he loves you that much, he spent that much time talking to you, wouldn't it be nice if you told somebody else I love you? Maybe you don't like like it, but sometimes I like to freak people out. I'll go up to somebody and I'll, I'll, I'll say to Tony, Tony, I love you. Tony, I'll do a double take. I love you too, Pastor. Amen. Amen. We ought to be growing in involved serving one another. Meeting one another's needs. Praying for one another. You know, we ought to be content with one another. You know, there are not very many exciting people in our church, Eric. I don't want many more exciting people. Amen. <laughs> Come on. There's some things that are just good left alone. Amen. We ought to be content. You say, well, we don't have... The, the, the entertainers. We don't have the performers. Thank God. Amen? Be content with one another. Be spontaneous. Don't ask. Don't wait for pastors. To, don't ask for pastor to come along and say, Eric, go give, uh, go give uh, Bill a hug. That is hard. <laughs> be spontaneous. That's the best kind of gift. It's just out of nowhere. Had uh, There's Connor. Connor's wanting to play out in the front, out in the field all the time. So he says, play out. Play out in the grass. Play out in the grass. <laughs> and he's just pitiful. Play out in the grass. So we go out around the grass and we're kicking around these little flowers, the little daisies and the little weeds, you know. I said, oh, because I want to get them back inside, you know. I said, oh, mommy needs a flower. So he reaches down and he grabs one of those flowers and says, take it to mommy. Now, what am I doing? Spontaneous. Spontane, teach them to be spontaneous. Just grab something, go be a blessing. Amen. You do that. Be a blessing one another. Serve one another. No strings attached. I know most of you, when I'm preaching, is just going in one ear out the other. Nod your head. Amen. But as your pastor, I beg of you, like I have begged of God for myself, let's get a heart for loving one another. Involve serving one another. And lastly, it involves being careful of our criticisms of one another. There are times and reasons when we must separate from other brethren. When, we, when, there is, when there's somebody who's sowing discord and causing division, you've got to pull away after the second, second admonition. When somebody in your life is, is causing you to sin, constantly texting you, constantly calling you, constantly tempting you, you're going to have to, and they may be saved. And you just have to walk away from them and say, I'm not going to let them 
cause me to sin, and there are times where you have to separate from them. Just be careful. Just be careful. You don't be some so con- uh, uh, critical and you just see the faults in everybody. You know the best things to do? Just overlook stuff. Just overlook stuff, man. Sometimes, sometimes we're just quick to, to be able to see all the flaws in everybody else, all the spots and all the blemishes and things. You know, there's some things that need to be exposed, but there's some things just, man, get over it. We're flesh, amen? We're, we're, we're sinners saved by grace, amen? And if we're going to love one another, we're just going to put a, If you sit next to somebody and they're always off key, you're like, man, oh man, would they ever, ever just hum? <laughs> Somebody next to you, and they're, as the pastor says, go to such such, for the next 10 minutes, they're still looking for that same page. You know, they're looking for that chapter or verse, and you just, you're just looking and you're saying, oh, can't they ever find that Bible verse? Oh, can't they ever just learn to sing? Oh, can't they ever be here on time? Oh, can't they ever just, just fix something right? Or, you know what you're doing? You're not loving. You're not loving. Be careful of the critical spirit that the devil will give us toward one another. If we're going to love one another, we've got to protect that love. Be careful of our criticism. Why is this so important? Why is this? And I'm going to finish. Why is this so important? It is the foundation of everything Jesus taught. Did you know there that Jesus gave, that I found, 49 commandments? Jesus gave 49 expressions that you could take as a commandment. You must be born again. That's a command. He gave 49 commandments specifically to his followers. But the one that is repeated, the other ones are not repeated. You know what the one that is repeated? Love one another. Love one another. So much of the New Testament is focused on us loving God and loving each other, loving our neighbors, loving the lost, even loving our enemies. But this 1 John 3, 11 says, this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. It's like the beginning, it's the foundation of a church. The central activity of a church is the loving of itself. Not self-love, but taking care of itself so that we grow and that we're healthy. Can you imagine if this arm just... Bad arm, bad arm. This arm's going to go away. These two arms get along quite well, don't they? Amen? Your two arms, your two ears, your two eyes, your two feet, your ten toes get along just fine. How come we don't? We need to. Central activity of a church is, is the love of itself. Making sure everyone in church and every believer we meet is encouraged and helped and ministered to. I forget who I was with. I was with somebody. Oh, I was with Dennis Guffins, and we were in town and having a coffee. And uh, there's, there's this woman, and uh, she's, she has on these, these notes. This was months ago. has notes, and it said, the letter, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Romans. And she's highlighting it with yellow. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm looking at this, and, and Dennis Guffins looking at this, and so uh, anyway, we got our coffee, we went over and just said, hey, uh, if you like that book, she says, my favorite book. I said, that's cool, it's kind of our favorite book too, it was part of the Bible. She said, yeah, you guys Christian? I said, yeah. She said, wow, it's nice to meet another. I'm actually from Dublin, I'm, I'm part of the Irish Bible Institute up there, but I just came down, I wanted to get out, come down to Cork. I, I've heard that there are other Christians around there, it's nice to meet, just shook her hand and everything. She said, just, you just... Pick me up. I says, well, looking at you, seeing you highlight every verse in the book of Romans, just pick me up, man. Because that's what I did when I first got saved. She says, I just started in the Bible Institute. I just want to live there. I'm listening to her going, this girl talking my language. I just love everything that Paul said I want to know and learn. And then she picked us up. Dennis and I looking at each other, and she's just really encouraging to meet another Christian, somebody just come over, introduce himself, born again. We just encourage one another, one on our way. What am I saying? That's just a good thing to do, isn't it? Just anytime you have an opportunity, go around and, and you see another Christian, you can sometimes tell them. They kind of they glow if you, if you pay attention. You go, they're probably saved, you know? I say that to Nita. No, they're not. No, no, no. So I bet they are, you know? And, and just, just somebody coming around. You ever been in a restaurant and you just bow your head and you just pray with your family, grab the hands of your family, and you thank God for the food you're about to eat? You've got 57 eyes looking at you. 50, 58 eyes, all right? <laughs> well, <I'm not laughs> but everybody watching you, but you know what you did. 
<laughs> you're sitting there, you're praying with your family. You know what all those people, out of, out of all those people, there's one or two Christians going, man, that encouraged me. Next time I'm going to pray with my family. Amen. Would you just go out of your way to be an encouragement instead of stuck on yourself and all your problems and all your disasters? Amen. It's the foundation of everything we do. Okay? It proves that we love God. It proves that we love God. How can we say we love God if we can't love one another? We read it over and over and over. I know a lot of people are religious. According to the Bible, they do not know God. And they do not love God because they don't love Jesus and they don't love Christians. You know, if we do not love one another, we don't know God. The proof of our love for Christ is found in our love for the brethren. Love that is real (laughs) toward problematic, hurtful, flawed people who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. It proves we love God. Thirdly, it it makes up for every failure and weakness in the church. 1 Peter 4, we're finished with this. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. 1 Peter 4, 8. Is that right? 1 Peter. Yes, 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, above everything else you got to do today, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall bless your day, right? That's what it says. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins in Christian lives. And use hospitality. It means be a blessing to one another without what? Just be a blessing without grudging. I guess I have to to take take and and do something nice for Marcus and and take him to dinner. (laughs) No, use hospitality without grudging. You know, it, it just makes for a wonderful church, man. Uh, somebody once said this, every problem in the church is a heart problem. The finances, the reason why our finances have dropped isn't because the economy's dropped. You know why they've dropped? Hearts have hardened. Amen. Amen. You know, the fact that people do come in late, you know what the problem is? It's not the kids. Amen. It's the heart. Somebody's not thinking that coming into church is important and being here on time. Amen. I'm not picking on anybody. I'll look at you later. No. <laughs> the fact that people are hurting and no one is caring for them, nobody doing anything about it, that's a heart problem, amen? The fact that visitors come in and they see cliques, they see a group over here, they just, they're laughing, there's another group over there, and they're laughing, another group over there, they're crying. <laughs> and they see a bunch of cliques, that's not Christianity, amen? Anybody that gossips in the church does not love their church. Amen. Amen. Fervent charity. I like that word, fervent, burning charity that burns up every disappointment that comes at them, that burns up the arguments, burns up the griping, burns up the backstabbing, and does not allow anything to come between them and their love for the brethren. That's why it's important. You want to build a church? You want to have a church? Love one another. It'll prove you love God. And it will make up for a lot of failure among ourselves. Lastly, here's your conclusion. Do you know how to love other believers? I hope you got some idea this morning. You think you do it well? I can tell you right now, I don't. I'll tell you right now, man. I start doing inventory of this stuff, and I go, Lord, I, I, I'm still at the gate. Jesus commands us to love one another. Kind of makes it, that's where I start. To love one another as much as he has loved me. To be kind toward other believers. To treat them like family. Even though they may be different in every way. So how do we do it? We just do it. We just obey. We just go out of our ways. I w- wouldn't it be nice if I, if I had the authority to say, now, you've got to go over to somebody. I wouldn't say like the first pastor. <laughs> just find somebody you hate and hug them. But go over to somebody just tell them, I love you. And just watch their eyes. Anyway. How do we love one another? We do it because Jesus said it. Do it like Jesus loves us. Do it as a way of life. By next week, you should have had a whole week of experience of, of going out of your way to pray for the believers to be ready so that when you come to church, you're a blessing 
So this church just goes from strength to strength. Why is it important? It's the foundation of everything we do, folks. This morning, I'm, I, I hope that you'll ask God to give you a heart to love the brethren. Father, as we bow, please. We say we love one another. What we mean is we tolerate one another until they hurt us. Until pastor goes in an area and deals with things that cuts us too close. Until things get too hard and we just can't do both. We can't just be Christian and handle our stress. Then we drop the brethren. We don't worry about others. We worry only about ourselves. Father, this morning I pray there's a change in heart. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have our attention so that you can have our heart. I want to have the mind of Christ so I can have the heart of Christ. Please bless the preaching that we've heard this morning. Now may we live it. And if there be any in this room who does not know the love of Christ, does not realize that Jesus Christ laid down these laws long before, long before anybody else figured out their own idea of what love is. If there's any love to be had, it will be the love of God. Shed abroad in our hearts at the expense of his son. Such sacrifice, such, such love. Forgive us where we think there's anything better. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your hymnal, please. Hymn number 240.